I was hoping um, if I hit that the other one that he passed, our ship is full of steel. We keep our families tight, and for that we send you to this morning. So my reading this morning is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 10, verses 41 and 43. It is a very familiar portion of scripture, and it reads, And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, are you worried and troubled about many things? But the one thing that is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which would not be taken away from her. Now, uh, in this account, we find that uh, Jesus and a few disciples went to Mary and Martha's house. Um, and here we find that Mary was seated at the feet of Jesus when the Lord came to visit him. Martha, who was the elder sister, was busy working in the kitchen, making sure that everything was in order to, um, in order for their guests to have enough food and enough things for them to drink. But who was Martha busy serving? She was busy serving the guests. Now, as women, we also tend to do this. When we're getting visited, we go over and above our meals. We do more than what we are supposed to do. And I think we get even more frantic when we find that visitors come to us unannounced because then we're not even worried about our visitors. We're busy worrying about what it is that we can quickly prepare to give them to make sure that their plates are full, their glasses are full, and that they don't leave our home hungry or thirsty. Now, in this house of the time, we miss the plot because they're not really coming to feed off us. They're really coming to draw from us. Yes. And while Martha was frantically running, you know, about in the kitchen and uh, wondering what her sister was doing, um, you know, in the busyness of everything that was happening at the time, Mary was still sitting at, the, uh, at Jesus' feet. She was beholding his beauty, his glory. She was hanging on to every word that came out of his lips. Now, we also tend to do this. Although we have help at home, we want to still, you know, only draw from the one person. Now, Mary was resting and drawing, living water from Jesus, while her sister Martha was restless. She was frantic. And, you know, we also get like this sometimes, where we want to do everything on our own, and yet there's help there. And then we're looking at the help, you know, waiting for them to say, listen, we are here. We want to assist you, but nothing is happening. We're just seeing as if we get more and more frustrated. So after a while, um, Martha got really stressed out. And uh, it led to quite an outburst. And it was quite frustrating, because I also get frustrated sometimes when that happens. And she said to the Lord, Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, I tell you, uh, therefore tell her to help me. In one moment of anger, she blamed two persons. She blamed Jesus for not asking her to wake up and help, and she blamed her sister Mary. Now, if we listen to Jesus' response, which is the scripture that I read earlier, and we may find that he said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but the one thing that is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. And this is an amazing response. Because normally ladies find themselves busy with other ladies in the kitchen, preparing, serving our guests. And um, Mary didn't do this. She still sat at the feet of Jesus because she knew that Jesus was no ordinary guest. Um, she knew that God was, he was God in the flesh. And the greatest way you can minister to God in, is in your home. It's just sit at his feet and keep drawing from him. And that is what 
to really come to Jesus, draw as much as you can from him. He loves it. It's what pleases him. And that is why he defended Mary's action, saying that the one thing that is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part. So today, what is the one thing that you need for? Is it to be busy yourself in serving the Lord, or is it busy to be troubled about the many things in life? All Lord, the Lord wants from us is to sit at his feet, to keep our eyes and ears and hearts at him. Um, Mary really complimented Jesus in what she had done that day. She made him feel like the God that he really was. And Martha obviously forgot who he was and the purpose for his visit because he did not come to be fed, but he came to feed. So this morning, I want to, uh, by closing, I want to encourage you to take the characteristics out of Mary's life and choose to focus on the beauty and the glory and the love of Jesus and choose not to be troubled about many things or be constantly occupied with yourself, but rather choose to focus and feed on that which pleases the Lord. Prime Minister, Margaret Thatcher. Mm. Remember they used to call her the Iron Lady. Mm. 
because she was so strong and she was so firm. She never had a smile on her face. She was always so serious about everything. But she came into power when Britain was going through such a turmoil, challenges with the economy, challenges with the people. And she came into power and she changed the course of history. Now, those are some of the famous women that we know of. Remember Florence Nightingale, the nurse, the author, Jane Austen, the first woman pilot, Amelia Earhart, and not forgetting Mother Teresa, famous Catholic nun who lived in India and she founded so many charitable organizations, did so much of work for the poor, that even today her work is still carrying on even though she's not around. But then, if you think about it, there are also some not-so-famous women that have also changed the course of history. Some that are not mentioned, but they've made significant contributions to the world. And when I was researching, because there was something in my heart that prompted this, this, this message that I'm saying to you or, or ministering to you today, when I was researching some of these not-so-famous women, it was the first time I heard their names. So I'm sure today is going to be the first time you're hearing some of these names. The first one is Gertrude Elian. She was a Nobel, she won a Nobel Peace Prize because she was involved in the production of one of the drugs that's used for the treatment of HIV and AIDS. Never heard of her. Wangari Mathai, she was the first Kenyan woman to get a doctorate degree. And she established this movement that we all know about, the Green Belt Movement which helps people to sustain themselves by growing vegetables, by doing, uh, having their own plantations and things like that. Patsy Mink, ever heard of her? First Japanese-American to win a seat in Congress. And the list went on and on. So I said I'm not going to give you a history lesson today because most of you are either tired of school or you've been through school, you've done, done, done that. You don't want to go through it again. So this is not a history lesson, but it's just to, to, to make you think about the not-so-famous woman. And I'll tell you what prompted this. On Monday, pastor ministered in the Prophetic by Design, and he spoke about five women that I never heard of before. And for me, that really ministered to my heart, because you don't have to be heard of, and you don't have to be famous, to make a change in history or to change the way things are done. You just have to be obedient and you just have to have faith. Now let's look at Numbers 27 because there, this is where we meet and it's the only chapter we hear of these women and then we don't hear of them again. It's Numbers 27 and we're reading from verse 1 to 11 and I want you to bear with me because I want to read this uh, portion of scripture to you today. It says, Then came the daughters of Zelophehad, the son of Hepha, the son of Gilead, the son of Matcha, the son of Manasseh, from the families of Manasseh, the son of Joseph. And these were the names of his daughters. Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milcah, and Tirzah. And they stood before Moses, before Eleazar the priest, and before the leaders and all the congregation by the doorway of the tabernacle of meeting, saying, Our father died in the wilderness, but he was not in the company of those who gathered together against the Lord, in the company with Korah, 
but he died in his own son and he had no sons. Why should the name of our father be removed from among his family because he had no son? Give us a possession among our father's brothers. So Moses brought their case before the Lord. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, the daughters of Zelophehad speak what is right. You shall surely give them a possession of inheritance amongst their father's brothers and cause the inheritance of their father to pass to them. And you shall speak of the children of Israel saying, if a man dies and has no son, then you shall cause his inheritance to pass to his daughter. If he has no daughter, then you shall give his inheritance to his brothers. If he has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to his father's brothers. And if his father has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to the relative closest to him in his family, and he shall possess it. And it shall be to the children of Israel a statute of judgment, just as the Lord commanded Moses. God bless the reading of his word. Now, if you look at this portion of scripture, in chapter 26, prior to this happening, the Lord spoke to Moses, and the Lord said to Moses, take a census of the people. So the Lord was saying, count the people, this new generation that's going to be moving into the promised land, these people of Israel, I want you to make a list. And if you go through that list, if you read through that entire list, a lot of names, mostly more of them I couldn't pronounce. But if you read through that entire list, it was a name of it was names of all the males that were heads of tribes, clans, and families. But these five women were not going to be numbered amongst mm -hmm. that list. And it was their desire not to be left out. Now there's some very important principles that these five women teach us when you want to change the world. When you want to change your circumstances, when you want to change things around you, because you know, see, they had a desire to be listed. They had a desire that their family was not to be left out. And they knew they had to do something. So the five of them came forward. And firstly, the most important thing they teach us here is they teach us who to approach. Know who to approach when you want to make a change. You know, they went before very important people. Firstly, they went before Moses, the leader, right? Then with Moses was Eleazar, the priest, the one who gave the spiritual covering. And then we see they were in the, before all the leaders and the congregation. Now, sometimes when we want to change things and when we want our circumstances to change, we approach the wrong people. We consult advice and seek counsel from those who don't even care about us. And we seek advice from people who won't even be able to make a difference. But because we want our case to be made and we want our challenge to get to the ears of somebody, we don't seek guidance from God about who to approach. But these five women, they knew who to go to. They went to the right person. And they went to Moses and Eleazar and the leaders and they made their case known. Now, when I looked at this, I said to Pastor when he was, after he ministered on Monday, I said, why you didn't mention their names? Then he said, hey, Anne, their names are not so easy to pronounce. So I said to him, I, I said, you know what, but the first name just got me because it was Mala. 
I said, there must be some Indian blood running here. Because she came and she was looking for her inheritance. I'm sure she was leading her sisters. And she said, come on, let's go. We need to go. But, but that's just on the, on, the, on the humorous side, right? But they had names. They had names. Their names are mentioned in the word. And they needed their names to be recognized. They needed their family name to still be carried forward into the promised land. Now, the second thing they teach us, these five daughters, is they teach us how to approach. So firstly, you need to know who to approach. And then if you want to make a change and you want to change your circumstances and change the world, you need to know how to approach. It tells us that in verse 2, that they stood by the doorway of the tabernacle of meeting. They didn't go inside. They stood by the doorway. They knew, number one, protocol. Yeah. They knew they're not going to be now, like, you know, now they got a case, so they want to go aggressively and present their case. No, no. They went with humility. Yes. Mm -hmm. They knew protocol. They went with humility. They humbled themselves. They didn't go and fight. They didn't go and fight and say, you know what, we want to fight here for our name. We want to fight for our father. We want to fight for our name to be amongst the list. They didn't go with that attitude. They went with that attitude of humility. You know, when we want to change things around us, and woman, you know this, and you can testify with me, when things are not right at home, and you want to change the atmosphere, you have to go with a, with a stance of humility. You have to humble yourself, and you have to calm yourself and you have to go your approach has to be different mm. if you want to change the things around you you know my family got this thing and we were sh sharing this with Lorenzo the other night is they say that when I get too worked up and I get too feisty then Joash says to his father what's wrong with mom she's spicy so he calls me spicy he says you know because like you can't come near me now because now I'm getting too uh, eaten up but that's not how we should be if we want to change things and we want to make effective change that's going to be long-lasting and change that families and people and generations after us are going to talk about, then we have to come from a place of humility. Yes. And then we will see our humble heart will give us the victory. The next thing about these women is they knew what to say. They knew exactly what to say. So they didn't go unprepared. They went prepared. And the Bible tells us in verse 3 that before they can make their plea known to God or to Moses and, the, and Eliezer, before they could make their request known, they firstly had to clear their father's name. They had to set the record straight. So they tell Moses, they say, our father was not amongst the ones that were in the company of Korah. Our father was not the rebel. Our father, yes, he did sin. But he died on his own. In the wilderness, he died. And he had no sons. So firstly, their desire was to clear their father's name. It was important to them to set the record state. You see, if they didn't do this, if they didn't clear it, they would not have cleared the path. Yeah. for their request to be made and for it to be accepted in the eyes of Moses. Then after that, after they cleared their father's name, then they made their request known. They said, why must 
The name of our father remo be removed from among the family because he had no son. Give us a possession among our brothers. So firstly, the name was important to them. And secondly, they didn't want his inheritance to go to anyone else. It wasn't, for me, when I look at these five daughters, it wasn't from a position, a position that they came up where they wanted things. It was more about their desire to keep their father's inheritance with them in the right place. Yeah. They didn't yeah. want it to go, I mean, we don't know, maybe the people that the inheritance was going to go to would be ones that would squander their yeah. inheritance, yeah. would not keep it. These women knew that there's just not us. It's just not us that the inheritance is for. It's for our children. Yes. It's for our children's yes. children. How is this inheritance going to go from one generation to another generation in the lineage of our father yeah. if it goes to somebody else? Yeah. What if they squander it? Yeah. What if they uh, they just they, they don't do anything with it and then it just dies? So their desire was for their father's inheritance to live, for the legacy of their father to live on and on. He may not have been the perfect person, but they still wanted his name to live and his name to be known. And it was going to be through them. If they had gone to Moses and the priest uh, with just their request, it might not have been met with the same reaction. Because if you look at the reaction of Moses thereafter, Moses didn't even answer them. He didn't even say, why are you coming to me with this request? He didn't say, okay, give me more details. He didn't say, okay, I need to see that you are definitely this man's children. Yeah. Nothing. Because the way they, in which they had done it, it automatically turned the heart of Moses towards them. Yeah. And what he does, he immediately takes their case and he goes before the Lord. He makes their request known. He tells the Lord what they desire. What is the desire of the five daughters? And for me, what I believe is that this whole account was orchestrated by God. Mm. Because God set the stage for this whole yeah. event to take yeah. place, this whole thing to happen, because he wanted to put something in place. Mm. You know, sometimes you sitting here today or you listening to me online, God has placed something inside of you and he set the stage and he's made everything ready for you to just open your mouth and speak the word. To just do something that will change the course of history. Because you see, when these ladies came, these five daughters came, what they, what was the result of their request was not only for them. It impacted the whole nation of yeah, Israel. Yeah, yeah. Because it says from verse 6, it says the Lord said, what these daughters are speaking is right. That's the first thing God says. He says, what they're speaking is right. You need to give them the possession of their inheritance from amongst their father's brothers and cause the inheritance of their father to be passed on to them. So immediately, you can see that the way in which they did what they did was right. Because God confirmed. He said, it's right. He said, what they're saying is right because this inheritance shouldn't go to anybody else. They are their father's daughters. Mm -hmm. So they should get what rightfully belongs to them. I can only imagine how happy their father would have been. Yeah, sure. Because he raised five daughters. Maybe in the time that he was having one daughter after another, <laughs> you know, fathers like having sons because they want to pass on their name, pass on their inheritance. So you can imagine this man, one baby after the other, daughter, daughter, daughter. <laughs> And he must, be a, he must have been a little bit disappointed, I don't know. 
But if he could have seen them standing up, I believe he really instilled some good qualities in them. Because he taught them something that made them stand up and do what was right. He also taught them faith. Because they came with faith in their hearts. Yeah. They came knowing that they were going to get what they, yes. what they could not see. Yeah. Remember, faith is the substance of things yeah. hoped yeah. for. Yeah. The evidence of things not seen. They couldn't see it. But they came with faith because they wanted to know that they could have what was their father's. Yeah. What a proud father he would have been. To see his five daughters come before Moses, before the priest, before the elders. No fear. They came with boldness and they made their requests known. And what God does, in from verse 8 onwards, whatever was on his heart, remember these ladies didn't change God's mind about anything. But this was on his heart. And all they did was by their request, God vocalized what was on his heart to the people and he set a statute. He set a way going forward. But because of their actions, they changed the process. Because of the way that they approached this, they changed the course of history. Because then God went on and he said, he said, if a man dies and he has no son, then it must go to his daughters. And then it goes on and on. If he doesn't have daughters, then to his, his brothers. Right? So we see now that these women, by their action, what they did was they changed the course of yeah. history. Yeah. Because now that God spoke it, nobody can go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now that God said it, nobody can go now and say, oh, this man doesn't have daughters, uh, doesn't have sons, mm-hmm. so not bring it to his daughter. Because now it's set. It's set in stone. Mm-hmm. It's, been, it's been said. Once God speaks something, it's done. Yeah. Yeah. So now we see how God, when he speaks something and he declares something, it stands for time. Yeah. It stands for generations. Because what these women did was they have caused a change yeah. now for generations to come. Yeah. Generations. Their yeah. children will be blessed with yeah. their father's yeah. blessings. Yes. Their yeah. children's children yeah. will be blessed with their father's blessings. Their children will now know the name of their father, yes. their grandfather. Yeah. Their children will now know the name of their grandfather. And their children's children will know the name of their great-grandfather. It's something so phenomenal that this woman did. It shows us how God sees us. You know, we live in a world that is male-dominated, mm. right? We all know this. It's, and it's so easy for us as women to get caught up with this world. Because then we want to fight for our rights mm. and yeah. fight for equality. <laughs> mm. And I understand I understand that. I understand it. But I also understand and I also know what's even far greater than that. And that's kingdom culture. Who we are in God's eyes. Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. Slave nor free man. Male nor female. For we all are one in Christ Jesus. Here in Numbers 27, God established that. He said, I don't see you as male and female. I see you as one in Christ Jesus. And this principle that I want to establish today is something that must carry you for generations to come. So even though women, we live in this world and we are taught so many things and we are shown so many things and we are made to believe so many things, we need to 
take on kingdom culture who we are in god we are his anointed when we live in a world where the where we feel like we are being suppressed or we being uh, treated differently and we being treated infer inferiorly we don't need to worry about that because we know who we are in god and kingdom culture must overtake the world culture because the bible says we live in the world but we are not of the world that means we don't take on anything that the world uh, says to us dictates to us tells us how to behave tells us how to uh, believe tells us how valuable we are or not valuable we don't believe that because we believe what the lord says we believe that we are kingdom citizens so the world can say what they want to say about you and make uh, uh, assumptions about you uh, label you but we know who we are in god and when you know who you are in god no matter what circumstance you find yourself in you'll be victorious and you'll be a daughter of the most high god you live your life victorious you will know you are valuable you will know you are loved you will know you are important to kingdom purposes you will know that you are an integral part of the master plan you will know that you are in god's heart you know that you are more than able Amen. you know that you can stand out and be the difference Amen. you know that you are the daughter of the most high god because when god instills in you and says to you neither male nor female we are all one in christ jesus Amen. then you know who you are and that power that he has given inside of you you can change history Amen. you can Amen. change the way your home is run you can change the way your family is you can change the way your children are that for generations to come they will speak about you because you were the one who stood up and said i'm valuable i know i can make a difference and i know that i can change things now the one of the other things that really uh, made me think about this five women is that they had two options you know in life we always have one or two options yeah. Yeah. right they had two options that i could see very clearly one of the options was that they could carry on as orphans yeah. yeah right they could live their lives as orphans they could go from tent to tent go to this family go to that family uh if they needed anything go here uh, not to be counted not to be recognized that was their one option right but numbers 27 was their second option they could make their voice known they could make their request known and they could take back what was rightfully theirs clear their father's name change the course of history for generations to come sometimes we need to be obedient to what god is telling us to do so that we can change history you may think that you're insignificant you may think you know what what can i do that can change history i i'm, I'm nobody what can i do that can change history but you don't know what your small action yeah. can do for your family yes. yeah. that can change the course of the family mm. for generations to come things that were done maybe in one way and we're getting the same results all the time you can just come in with wisdom and and, and the anointing of god and you can come in and just make one small change yeah. and you can just change everything mm. and that whole uh, uh, trajectory of that family will change yeah. because of you so don't think that you're insignificant Remember when uh, when when they came before Moses and Eleazar the priest 
it, it just it spoke to my heart about how, uh, because this message is not only for women, but it's about how people must learn to receive women and receive their requests. Because if you look at it here, uh, we have Moses, who's the leader. We have Eliezer, who's the priest. And then we have the other leaders in the church. So for me, this was a picture of uh, leadership. This was a picture of priests in the home, the husbands. And this was a picture of spiritual covering. Know how to handle the request of the five daughters. Yeah. So important. Yeah. Know how to handle the request of the five daughters. You can be the one standing between the five daughters and the change in history. How you handle their request, how you handle their challenge, how you handle when somebody comes to you and has a challenge or has a crisis is so important. Because if Moses didn't handle it right, we would not have God speaking, we would not have the rest of the events that took place after that. So it's so important to know how to handle, to listen, to hear the request, and then do what Moses did. Because sometimes in your own knowledge and in your own wisdom, you may not be able to handle when somebody comes before you with a challenge. Know what to do. And Moses knew what to do. He took it before the Lord. He took it before the Lord. And he asked the Lord to lead and to direct him. Now that's so important as well. That's another part of this, this message. Is that when the, when the five daughters made their request, there had to be the right person that they spoke to who would be able to channel their request back to God so that God could respond in the way that he responded. And that's what changed history. So I pray that we too will make the right choices. For, for those of you here that feel like you are one of those five daughters, you're standing at a crossroads in life, uh, you can either accept defeat or you can make your request known. You can either give up or you can claim what is rightfully yours. Yes. What will you do today? What will you do today? Do you know who you are in God? Because if you know who you are in God, you won't give up. Yeah. You won't throw in the towel. Yeah. You won't accept defeat. Yeah. You won't just accept anything that comes before you. You will know and you will say and you will declare, Lord, like you did for those five daughters. You can do it for me. You can do it through me, God. You can change the way things are happening in our family for generations, Lord. We've been like cursed with this. Or for generations, Lord, we had to live like this. I want you to use me, Lord. Use me to be a change, a conduit of change. I don't want my, my name to be anywhere written in any history books or encyclopedias. If you do that, Lord, that's really great, but I don't want it. But I want my family yes. yeah. to remember me. I want my family to remember me as that was the one. That woman was the one who stood up and spoke for us, or who did this, fasted and prayed, uh, who, who did 
because of the one action that she did. How powerful is that to be remembered like that? I want to be remembered like that. And I know you want to be remembered like that. So Lord help us. Help us to be women that can change history. And history doesn't have to be the history of the world, the history of our families, the history of the church, the history of the kingdom of God. In a time that we're living like this, let us be women that are, are making the changes for the better of our families, yeah. for the better of the kingdom, for the advancement of the kingdom. We're not insignificant. God called us to. Yes. And he called us, no matter what your task may be, small as it may be, but he called you to. Yeah. Yeah. And when you open your mouth and you declare a thing, when you speak something, when you do something that God has called you to do, you will see breakthrough upon yeah. breakthrough. I believe it with all my heart this yeah. morning that you will see breakthrough upon breakthrough when you're obedient, when you're not fearful, when you have faith, and you know that God can do the impossible. Amen. This is what God did for them. He did the impossible. Yes. A father that had sinned and who died alone in the wilderness, his name is still carried forward because five girls, five daughters, five women decided not to keep quiet, but to go and take back what was rightfully theirs. What has the enemy taken from you? Yes. That you need to do some taking back. Yes. You need to do some taking back. Not allowing things to just be taken away from you that you know God has rightfully given you. Yes. I pray this morning that you were blessed and encouraged. Encouraged to make a change. Let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer. Father. We thank you, Lord, that even through the unknown and the insignificant woman, that you teach us so much, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that through these five daughters, we can learn today, Lord, to have faith, not to fear, Lord Jesus, but, Lord, to take what is rightfully ours so that we too can change the course of history, we can change the way of life for our families and generations to come, Lord. We can set the standard, God, according to you, your will, according to your purpose for our lives. I pray, Father, that you would give us boldness. I pray, Lord, that you would give us strength. I pray, Father, for every woman, Lord, that's listening to my voice this morning, that, Lord, you would minister to them, that they would know, Lord, that they are not insignificant, but they are called for kingdom purpose. Yes, yes. That you, you have them, Lord, as part of your master plan for yes, this earth. Thank you, Lord. you have them, Lord Jesus, for a time such as this. And that, Lord, they will not forget who they are in you. They will not forget the mandate that you have upon their lives. I pray that you would strengthen them in the days and the weeks and the months to come. We will hear of testimonies of women that have risen up and declared the word of the Lord over their families and how changes have come about. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint them, touch them, Lord, and use them in a mighty way. So we pray and we ask all these mercies in the wonderful and precious name of Jesus. Amen.